Hey, welcome to Razzle Dazzle, a podcast about video games and pop culture with an emphasis on our favorites. All right, it's Razzle Dazzle time. I'm your host, Jared. I'm Patrick. As a sound guy, Joe. I have seen things you did not believe. Have you? Like what? Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. Uh-huh. And? Time to die. <laughs> okay. That's it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> are, are you quoting the that one replicant from the first movie? Yeah, yeah the batty. bad guy. What's his name? Big Batty. Ah. No, his name is Batty. His name batty. is legit Batty? B-A-T-T-Y. Ah, Batty. batty. Yeah. He's the big Batty. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Patrick, introduce. Yeah, so... um. Let's let's go back a little bit. At the end of spring semester, uh, one of my movie classes on monsters mm. had a final exam where we watch a movie uh, and then write a paper on it. Um, so I was like, let's go. That's fun. Looked through the movie list, and I saw both the Blade Runner movies. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, these are great. I remember watching Blade Runner 2049 when I was 17, and I had no idea what was going on, and I hated it. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I want to rewatch it uh, uh, with a little more care for that type of movie. Uh-huh. Um, so I went in and I or went in. I sat on my couch, watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and then after I watched it, I was like, "Oh, that's a really good movie." Okay. So now we're talking about it. All right. So, um, we're not talking about both Blade Runners. Oh yeah, we're talking both Blade Runners. Okay. But okay. like, <laughs> but like Blade, the first Blade Runner movie, that mm. one's good. Mm-hmm. And you should watch it. It's kind of funky and weird, but mm-hmm. that's what you'd want out of a cyberpunk movie. Um, Blade Runner 2049 is magnum opus, beautiful, mwah, 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 uh, okay. piece of art. Really? Okay. I, Interesting. I'm glad one of us thinks that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, to be clear, Blade Runner is a cyberpunk neo-noir detective film. I feel like cyberpunk, uh, even cyberpunk should be explained a little bit. Think <laughs> like you're in the future uh, of today but worse. Yeah. So imagine every single company that you hate uh, only gain more power as the world got worse. <laughs> That's cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cyberpunk settings are essentially like corporations run the world. There's government, but there's not really government. It's just corporations running the world. Yeah. Um, and in the Blade Runner series, at the center of this world is the corporation that made people. They found a way to create human beings. And well, that... Uh, human beings. Human beings. Air they're quotes. stronger. Uh, they're smarter. There's technically androids. Yeah. Well, it's technically Detroit become human, but worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but essentially, it is people making yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and then so e- the plot for both movies kind of focuses around that idea. Uh, the first movie takes that and makes it about a the, the Blade Runners the, of the titular uh, role, where it's these people are meant to hunt and kill replicants. Yeah, there are police officers. Yeah, they're basically police officers because uh, replicants are illegal on Earth. Yeah. Off-world, they're used as... Uh, slaves. Slaves, basically. <laughs> Slave labor. Um, yeah. But if they come onto Earth, where all the regular humans are, that's no good. Um, you must die. Yeah. Um, but then in the second movie, uh, our character is a replicant and Blade Runner. Um, mm-hmm. He is a replicant killing replicant, and everybody hates him for it. Yeah. And um, he's Ryan Gosling. Wow. And he's Ryan Gosling. And... Um, 
All this was based on a book by Philip K. Dick. <laughs> yeah, would you have watched this movie if it was if it kept the original book name? Do androids dream of electric sheep? Um, honestly, yeah, that sounds like a cool name. You would really? watch it? Okay. Hell, I would. And I would throw that hell that book away. Well, what, what <laughs> Blade Runner is so cool. It's such a cool name. Blade Runner is such a cool name. True. But I also one of my favorite movies is a movie called uh, uh I, it's a Japanese movie called like I would like to eat your pancreas or something oh, like that. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, it's like <laughs> weird names are good names to me. When a movie has a really weird name, it's either really bad or really good. Either way, I'm gonna watch it. And this is directed by Ridley Scott, the first one, not the second one. Yes. Which really shows, which really shows the differences between the two films. Uh, if people don't know, Ridley Scott also did Alien. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Um, you want to get, get the first movie out of the way? Yes. The first movie <laughs> is great. The first movie is a really good movie. Yeah, the first movie I love. I um. So you you watch forty nine before the first? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um. Yeah. It, it gives it. It makes it so you're going into a familiar place. I think it changes the experience of watching uh, the first movie. Uh. But still, I the, there was a lot that like. Um, I, the big thing for me is, uh, already knowing or not knowing for sure, but that, uh, that Harrison Ford's character is a replicant. Um, wait, what? Okay. So, okay. (laughs) We're going to get into it already. Okay. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Um, for those of you who haven't seen Uh, the movie, uh, watch the movie, but yeah, yeah, for real, please, (laughs) please watch the movie. The, both of these movies are honestly just like. T- like high cinema like Blade Runner the old one the first one is a really good movie of its time just for showing you what sci-fi what, how mm-hmm. sci-fi was done at the time um, Blade Runner 2049 has a lot of uh, new sort of cinematography stuff in general um, it has a lot of just it may- takes a modern tech to that old Blade Runner concept um, but yeah, going back into uh, <laughs> hey, hold on, I'm sorry. You just made a point that I, I really wanted to bring up. Oh, go for it. Um, the cinematography between the two movies. Okay, Blade Runner, the original, ha- does a lot of th- um, shows a lot by showing the characters do nothing. Right, so um, we can see a lot about let's say Harrison Ford or the world around. Let's let's go with that. Harrison trying to you know catch a ride on a taxi. Like let's imagine him on a, on um, an alley, and him trying to or him walking up to the curb, and he's waving down a taxi. We see the camera only like on the other side of the road, facing down the alley, maybe tilted a little bit so we can see the sidewalk and stuff. We see all that happening. Nothing, no no dialogue or anything's happening. We just see it happen, and we see. And we can see the the taxi just leaving, and maybe some people crossing into the the camera. That's it, right? That's that's basically how films, or how it is, how this movie is filmed throughout the first movie. But with the second movie, if we're gonna do that scene again, but with Ryan Gosling, it will be multiple shots. Like first, yeah, it'll be first that same uh, shot looking down the alley or whatever. Then we get a close up on. Him trying to wave down, and then we see the taxi come in, and then we see inside the car. It's it's a lot of oh, dynamics. Oh, so you're talking like the like the amount of shots? Not just the amount of shots, but like I'm trying to. I'm not explaining this right. I'm not explaining this correctly. But um, 
the Ridley Scott had a way of showing us what was happening, world building, and kind of about who our characters are by doing less. Less is more in this case, whereas in 2049, I feel more is less. I see. Um... I don't know. But you went to film school, so... I, I don't know. I don't think... <laughs> please, stop using that <laughs> qualification. Because, again, it's uh, not not there. But, um, yeah, I, I personally, I liked... I don't think it's less the way uh, 2049 does it. It mm. show If anything, it's there's a lot more establishing shots, and there's a lot more... Estab- or, I guess, how do I phrase it? Um, I, I think there's sort of more it's okay avant-garde it's very artsy both yeah. movies are extremely artistic in their take of filming things and they're doing things more for more for the sake of looking pretty rather than keeping continuity with the subjects like moving or whatnot uh, I don't really I don't think I had a problem with 2049's continuity in shots it's everything like progressed pretty uh, standard to me. I knew where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like everything gets set up in sort of this like establishing sense and then where the character is in this sense and then also it just kind of moves between. Like for example, uh, if we're talking just characters just existing in the world, uh, when uh, Brian Gosling's character leaves the uh, the police station, heads back to his home, we see a lot of of him going through the streets. And when it's going through the streets, it's dark it's you don't see much right. and the shots are, are the shots focused on him but it's wide enough to get like what's going on around him the loud noises and of the of the the trucks that move around saying like uh, don't uh, what is it what's what do the trucks say as they're moving by it's like don't jump in front or like oh, it was like uh, caution or some something like that yeah 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 but it, it's like it's very much like you see what you need to see mm-hmm. um the 2049 it was more of the sense, and a lot of the movies in the 70s, 80s did this, where it's very wide establishing shots of the entire sci-fi era. Think like Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. think uh, this movie, where as you're kind of like uh, seeing where he's going, you do have those like big expansive shots where you're like looking at all the skyscrapers, it's like miniature models, but like, right. um, and then the camera's kind of zooming between them to get where we need to go. Mm-hmm. And it's very wide and expansive here. It's very much focused where the characters are. We don't get a lot of wide expansive shots unless it is uh, situations where uh, Ryan's character is using the drone mm-hmm. that's the only real sense that we ever get like the here's the big picture of where we are mm-hmm. um, everything's very um, in the perspective of the people right um, for for the first film there's a lot of just stationary shots but they we see exactly enough what we need to see like um in the beginning, when he was at that um, that side street vendor, you know, getting food or whatever, you know, first we see him like uh, standing on the side of a store, just reading the newspaper, right? And then cut, he's sitting at the bar. And that's it. You know, we see the entire bar. We see the rest of the street. We see people in the rain with the with their lightsaber umbrellas. You know, walking. We see all this at once, and I think that just also helps build the world in a way. Yeah, well, I you mean, know what I mean, yeah, it's the establishing shots is like core cinema. But right? but like all this while Harrison Ford is walking and moving around, playing his part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, essentially, because you want to show that the character is part of this world, but yep. you also want to show the world. Mm-hmm. So um, I think 
Uh, Blade Runner 249 did it, like I said, with uh, Ryan going places. Or what's, mm-hmm. what's Ryan Gosling's character? So K. K. K or Joe. K. I have a theory that Keyshawn <laughs> named himself K because of this movie. <laughs> That's my theory. Because uh, you know how he tells like a different story each time somebody asks, hey, why why is your name K? It could be. It could be. Maybe That's my just, theory. Maybe just really like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> But but Kay, uh, we we see these things when he's going between places. Yeah. Um. These there's not much establishing shots on, in uh, 2049 unless it's like a character already being there. Mm-hmm. Um. I think uh, it's just very it's different directors, different cinematographers. So there's going to be that big difference in that sense. Yeah. Um. I but, mean, with Ridley Scott, you can tell it's a Ridley Scott film. Uh, you can see the total similar. Like, you can see that Blade Runner is taking place in the same universe as Alien. In like, I can see that, but you know, of course, Aliens in outer space. And yeah, yeah, this is on Earth. I can see them. This is happening in the same universe. Is it same universe? No, I don't think it's so. It's just the art, the his Scott style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. style for sci-fi. And, and it's very for. But cyberpunk is also this big style of mm. just dark, gloomy, yeah. rainy. Foggy. A lot of neon. A lot of neon. <laughs> the only lights you see are neons and LEDs. Yeah. Like, it's very, it's it's this, like, dark setting. And I think both uh, cinematographers nailed the look. I think 2049 makes it, it exaggerates it even lighter. more. The 2049 lighter? Yeah. Uh, I don't I think know. there's more light. There's more bright oh, colors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, orange world. That's what I meant. Well, while not, he, not tone-wise. While he's <laughs> in the city, yeah. But then when we leave the city <clears> with... The, where the default cyberpunk setting city, right. uh, then it starts LA. to change to these other. It changes to almost like a more apocalyptic sure. look because sure, it yeah, is yeah. ultimately that where these are the areas that were abandoned because uh, the blackout. The, I think uh, they call it the blackout. Yeah, yeah it's where power just <laughs> no power for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and then that that builds this like. Po- post-apocalyptic area and then it allows this like contrast where for some reason the post-apocalyptic area looks more beautiful right more like you want to be here <laughs> um yeah. i don't know if it's intentional but i felt like that was a big part of it was that these areas that weren't the city that everybody's in mm-hmm. are the areas that look the prettiest mm-hmm. they made um, the end of the world really pretty yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it's a beautiful dystopia somehow. and and i think that goes with uh with k's character because k's character is literally like while he's in the city it is draining him bringing that everything there is like making him real there's while he's on this investigation he's also realize not realizing but more so just knowing that it could be different mm-hmm. with the way he's treated, uh, with the way things can be with joy, um, all of these things. He, you can tell he doesn't want to be where he is, but he just there's no other choice for him. Right. This is his job. This is what he's made to do. Literally. Literally. Um, but then when, when he leaves, you start getting these more beautiful visuals as sort of a sense of like, like uh, now K is where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. But I mean, I don't know that I haven't seen anything from the cinematographer that that's the case. But I just feel like it is right. So now let's get back to that uh, theory you want to talk about with Harrison. Yeah. With, so uh, Deckard. Uh, <laughs> Deckard is uh, Deckard's character. He's a detective looking yep. for replicants. Um, he his whole role in this one is to get the four replicants. Yeah. He he is a Blade Runner, so that is. All he does, or he used to do, because he was retired, but they brought him back in, 
the police force brought it back in, and he's supposed to take down these four replicants that are on Earth because they're not supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then along the way, uh, as part of investigation, he mm. goes to the corporation that makes the people, which uh, in the first movie, it's Tyrell. Yep. Um, and, Ty- and while he's there, <clears throat> he meets uh, a woman who ends up being a very realistic replicant, yep. like even passes the... Uh, uh, the test? The void conf test or something like that. Oh, right. It has a name. Yeah. The void conf. There's two different tests. Uh, the void conf test, she passes, like, she only shows sign that she's a replicant. Like, what mm-hmm. was it, three hours into it? Yeah, it, was, it took, like, three hours for... F- the whole test took about three hours, yes. Yeah. So, that entire... So, like, this changes his mentality on replicants where he's like, <clears throat> what what is going on with these things? Because before it's just brainlessly like, oh, I go, I kill them. But now right. there's this change in dynamic where this is a person. And so he starts treating her as a person. She lets her know that, like, ultimately she is a replicant and all that. She, well, that's – well, she doesn't know she's a replicant. She doesn't know he lets her know. Yes. Um, she feels like something's off after taking the void comp, which yeah. rightfully so if you're a human being and they go, hey, take this uh, not a robot test, you're going to be like <laughs> – um, Okay, how long is it? Uh, three and hours. I, you know, maybe a few minutes, depending on your answers. Okay, three hours later. Yeah, so she's <laughs> she's already like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's very, and he uh, just tells her how it is, because uh, frankly, what else would you do in that situation? And um, he's Harrison Ford. He doesn't care. Yeah, and she <laughs> would just tell you straight up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and she becomes a replicant on the run, which changes like, mm. oh, I know a replicant. Uh, this replicant also kind of relies on him. <clears throat> Um, and he's has to hunt her. He's the one who started this whole situation. So he's conflicted about replicants. Right. As he goes on killing these replicants, he like you can tell he's like not wanting to do this. The more and more he does it, mm. and it finally gets to that last replicant. He is scared. He is paranoid. Uh, Batty is quite terrifying. Yep. And Batty is doing all of this on purpose. I I love Batty as a character. The because it just it's very much this almost like uh uh I feel like it's this like Jesus figure in the story right now <laughs> yeah okay some aside it, it's it's all, like a lot of stories tend to use like Christian themes in some sort of way um this one it's very much like the the guy at Tyrell mm-hmm. it, um, he plays this father right where he's go he's when a uh, baddie shows up he's very comforting he says I can't change the way things are but you are great as you are being very much a father like thing um and then uh the son goes and kills him part of it you could look at that as like the Oedipus story if you could know what Oedipus is I don't Oedipus um, <laughs> Oedipus whatever <laughs> Oedipus being like the whole thing that uh, the children will eventually surpass their fathers mm. um will take, take their place and take their place um, and then even that you have, so he takes his place and then what is his place? His place is dying for the cause of replicants because the entire thing he's doing with Deckard, he's scaring Deckard, he's scaring Deckard. And then he's finally just like, he has this talk with Deckard where he's like, yeah, I'm not actually going to kill you. I'm going to die. Um, well, the main motive of these replicants is to take care of their four year lifespan because they want to live more. Yeah. And he know? finds out he can't live any longer. Yeah. So he's just like, well, let me see what I can do. So he scares Deckard into being like, uh, to like, oh, replicants or something else. They're scary. But then also he has this talk with Deckard where he's like, almost like, oh, but we're also human. And then he dies. He runs out of time. Mm-hmm. And then there's that really long shot with him in the rain and Deckard just being there like, what the fuck just <laughs> happened? 
but ultimately through that he's like uh i think he comes to the acknowledgement of like oh replicants are people Mm. in his head um which changes the complete way that he interacts with uh What's her name? After her Rachel? name is Rachel. Rachel, Rachel the It changes robot. the way she interacts with Rachel after that. Um, and also with the way he, she, uh, he interacts with uh, the replicant Blade Runner on the police force that they tease that shows up right now. And then the, the black dude in the story, he gives the unicorns. Are you talking about origami guy? Origami guy, yeah. 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 So he's a replicant. Uh, he's Gaffed? A, he, yeah, he's a replicant Blade Runner. Um, sorry, it took me a second. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, and he, his whole thing is like the, the entire time he's watching Deckard, and he's very much like trying to get Deckard on the right path, almost. Mm. Um, and at the very end, we get from him that like, like uh, I believe it's like you can't run forever, or you'll you won't be safe here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gives him the or, or leaves the origami at his door, the origami of the unicorn, which is the same unicorn that uh, Deckard had in his dream. And I think the movie ends with this implication of Deckard learns that replicants are good, that replicants are human, and that he is a replicant. And that's mm-hmm. where the story ends. And so it's this whole flip where it's like he, he goes from <clears throat> the hunter to the hunted in every literal sense. Right. Uh, Ridley Scott air quotes come from or he said that Deckard is a replicant but the screenwriter says that's not true so yeah that's the theory yeah and that's that's where it's a little iffy and then even then they play on that a little bit in the do they because like 2049 oh in 49 yes but like in the first film if he was a replicant throughout the entire thing a lot of things get thrown off especially with messages throughout the movie and just straight up what's happening you know like him getting his um fingers broken by Batty, he wouldn't feel that, you know, because he's a replicant. He's a robot. They don't feel things. We see the other replicants, like, put their hand in boiling water, and they're they're fine, you know, for example. So that's just weird. He would have been able to pull himself up from the ledge, you know. Um, but, But ultimately, none of what happens would have mattered in a way because, like, I, I think the whole first film is, like, there are these robots, there are these androids who want more life. Okay. Humans, they take life for granted. They don't care. Uh, they are already, you know, uh, making so much, like advancing in technology, but yet becoming poorer in a sense. They're, they're uh, progressing and yet uh, regressing at the same time. They, they're taking life for granted. So we have here an air quotes human chasing after these replicants who the human wants to end their life but they want to extend their life but if it was just a replicant chasing replicants doesn't matter it doesn't change anything at the end because they're still all just gonna die and run out of time because of it i don't know it just throws a lot of things off i think the story would be much more compelling if deckard was human as much yes. as I love yes. ambiguous endings to movies, I I don't believe. I think it's he's a human, right? Okay. Well, here's what leads me towards the fact that he is 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 um, and frankly, it's only the director's cut, so there's that <laughs> to it. Uh, the director's right. cut, which is the only <clears throat> version most people are going to watch, which is um, which the one you should watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Deckard has a dream of mm-hmm. a unicorn. It, there's a unicorn in his dream. You want to know a fun fact? 
Uh, that same unicorn scene is from another movie. I, I uh, f- from it felt Ridley familiar. Scott. Yeah, I, I forget what the name of it was. I was talking with it uh, with uh, Richard about it earlier, but it's from another Ridley Scott film. It's like recycled footage. Yeah, uh, unused. Unused. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's so like uh, that, um, and then the replicant cop also mm. like leaving the origami of the unicorn is like. Was Gaff it, a, ref- a replicant? I'm pretty sure he was. I'll, I'll keep talking. Yeah. I'll look it up. Um, <laughs> so when Gaff uh, leaves the thing there, it's almost as if, like, I've had your dreams. I've had your memories. The only way that could happen is if uh, they're replicants. Because how – or either – if I think maybe Gaff isn't, but then Gaff – He Gaff's, is not. Oh, then Gaff – uh, sorry, I mixed it up. Gaff is okay. showing uh, Deckard that, like, his memories – are also Deckard's memories being like I'm your memory plant because mm. we learn in 2049 that the replicants' memories are implanted, uh, er, made from other people's memories. Right. That's why he likes the horse so much. Yeah. So no, that's illegal. <laughs> what? <laughs> Using uh, actual real memories for re- replicants is illegal. Yeah, it's illegal. So it's never happened. It, it no, it's illegal. It's illegal. <laughs> I like that she just says, "Oh, it's illegal," and he's like, "Okay." Rules out that possibility. <laughs> well, it's against the law. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also like, uh, well, the illegalness of it, but also like uh, it could still be bypassed, but also a thought came to my mind and I'm forgetting it. Um, it's the, because like they didn't have the girl who made memories before this. Right. There was no memory making <clears throat> mentioned in the movie at right. all. So for what we know, it doesn't exist yet. The only way you're going to get memories is existing. No, they did Oh man, no! They Im- implant fake memories. The you fake know, memories you know for the replicants. So yeah. they're fake for the replicants. Yes. But they these memories have to come from somewhere other than me. You're right. You're right. It, they it's probably unclear. changed the laws for that. I'm sorry. It's it's unclear is what I'm saying. <laughs> the, you can't say for sure, or not for sure. Right. Right. Um. But with Deckard seeing this unicorn and Gaff showing this unicorn, I think it's like a. I've seen this too. Mm-hmm. How else would uh, how else would Gaff know to do it? Origami specifically of a unicorn. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's him being like, I've had these dreams too. Ga- remember, Gaff's been keeping up with Deckard this whole time, so he knows things about Deckard. He's been so I think it's him being like, you're you're also a replicant. You got to get out of here. Like mm-hmm. you won't be able to keep her safe here. Blah blah. Or whatever the specific line he says to her is, it says to Deckard is. Mm-hmm. Um, it encourages Deckard to run, and I think that that along with the unicorn is him also being like, you are also in danger, not just for harboring this replicant well, but because was, you are I w- like playing for that theory I would say that the whole unicorn thing is like hey Deckard you are unique you are a replicant that thinks you're human period yeah it could be you're I, unique as a unicorn and I think that helps this understanding of I I like this explanation because mm-hmm. it makes 2049 ever more impactful because if it's okay if it's because if Rachel has <laughs> okay. a kid with a human <laughs> Like that's it's still crazy, but it's not what um, the corp the guy from the corporation wants. So it's the new corporation. The uh, you're oh, talking about Jared Leto. It's yeah, starts with a W. Oh, it's um, oh, I'm trying to read it. Uh, Wallace. I think so. I think it's Wallace. Yeah. Um. So with the guy in charge of Wallace, his whole thing is he wants to find this baby so he can have replicant making replicants. Yeah, Wallace. Yeah. So it doesn't so. 
I feel like if it was like a human with a replicant, then that wouldn't be as revolutionary for him because that might be something that could happen anyway, or it would be decent, but not as great, but would be insanely insane. And what he talks about is slave making slaves, although he doesn't say it in that way, where it's essentially like we can create these replicants that can create replicants and we have an infinite workforce. Um, That's what he wants. So I think with that, with Deckard being a replicant, that makes that so much more real. Okay. It, uh, I can see why, why you, you know, why it will benefit the sequel. But what, a, the impacts to the actual movie, though, to the original movie, uh, I think it it's, changes so much. I think it's him going from the hunter to the hunted. That's his arc. It's uh, I mean, Deckard's. That's, that's exactly what happened in the last scene. That's a uh, baddie chasing or you know, playing with his food, basically playing with. Deckard, that is the hunter becoming the hunter. Yeah, yeah, but even more so in the sense of him being, his identity literally being okay. from the hunted to hunted. He's a detective who hunts replicants into a replicant. That's That along with that, it, it confirms this hunter to hunted but, sort of theme for Deckard. But that all that's already ruled out because, okay, um, the original takes place in what? 2019, 2020? <laughs> yeah. I like that. The and this is 2049? Future. Yeah. 30 years. 30 replicants years live four years. No, though, those specific replicants were made for four years. Okay. Uh, the ones that those he's models. Hunt, those models. <laughs> the ones that Deckard is hunting, and they say it in the movie, were made for four years okay. because they are military things. Gotcha. And to have a killing machine <laughs> right. to living more than four years would be dangerous. That's right. why they put a, that like time cap on him. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the Nexus Six models. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. but but Decker Decker lives. But there are long-standing, or at least implied long-standing uh, replicants in 2049 with the Resistance group and that one lady. She's right. an old lady, but she remembers Deckard when the whole situation happened. Right. So she's been around for who knows how long as a replicant. So they're not capped uh, unless they're given a cap. These these movies d- do a great job. Air quotes, great job uh, of just introducing new characters for like one or two scenes and then that's it yeah it's it's a little <laughs> bit just 2049 does it quite a bit it does yeah with that same old lady too yeah we see her like twice uh, also the the <laughs> the coroner at the police station oh okay where he's just kind of he's there and then you see him again and he dies hey you yeah. can't take those bones <laughs> rest in peace dude that guy is in a lot of movies he's in Halo is he? He's in oh, the yeah, Halo he show. Is, yeah, oh, yeah. He's like the creepy Marvel. doctor. He's in everything. He's Marvel DC. Oh, is he like typecast <laughs> doctor guy? Probably. Nerdy, no. Nerdy fella. Nerdy fella? No, he's not typecast. No, he's the What's his name? I don't That's know. a good question. Coroner from Blade <laughs> Runner. <laughs> no, because he's also an Ant-Man. Oh. My favorite character in Blade Runner is Rachel. And I don't know why. The first like time I watched Blade Runner... The, the most similar thing to real life that I found to Rachel's situation is, have you ever heard of Lucy the Chimpanzee? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, L- no, Lucy sorry. the Chimpanzee. <laughs> I, I was thinking yes. of a different chimpanzee. No, sorry, course. I was thinking of a different <laughs> chimpanzee. <laughs> a different chimpanzee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many chimps do you know? Uh, a few. But Lucy <laughs> was adopted by humans and then raised as if she was a human. So she thinks that she was people communicating with sign language and all that and doing things that people would do like drink alcohol and and (laughs) pretend to read. No, this was real. But then they put Lucy back in with other chimps, other of her kind. And she didn't know that she was a chimp. And she obviously had a panic attack 
and really wanted to go back with the people. And that was kind of what happened with Rachel. She spent her entire life thinking she was people. Then Harrison Ford comes along, and she's like, oh, wait, okay, I'm not a person. That's, re- like, I really appreciate her. But they fall in love. But they fall in love, and she has this hella ex- existential crisis. Yeah. Same with Kay in the second movie. Right. And imagine going your whole life thinking you're one thing, and then you're not. That's shattering. Yeah. That's world-breaking. And then for and, her, uh, it's not only, like, you think you're everything or you're not. You think you're everything you're not, and also your existence is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, so, like, I... Just like the chimp. So in a situation like this, <laughs> just like the chimp. Yeah, the chimp is was not accepted back into chimp society. And wasn't accepted back into no. human society. Well, yeah, she wasn't. <laughs> uh, just in that house. Yeah, no, I can... Ra- Rachel is... I feel like they didn't spend enough time in Rachel's situation in that movie because it's very it is that like world shifting thing. She clings on to the first person she can see uh, or that that she can trust, Deckard, um, and then we kind of just leave it there. But like, there's so much more to that story. But then I guess we get it through forty nine in a way. Uh, her story becomes the uh, harbor of the miracle child. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like in that first movie, we kind of just missed out on a lot of. Really good Rachel character moment. Well, she was dead, first of all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying the first Blade Runner movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were uh, talking about the second no, one. No, I'm no, sorry. No. I'm saying that the first Blade Runner movie should have done more, <laughs> and that the second movie ended up giving us something, but the first one should have done more for okay, her. Okay. Okay. I mean, sure. Um, speaking of the second one, I guess we should just go into that. Yeah. I don't like it as much. Here, while between movies, let's go ahead and oh, get wait, these I'm games sorry. to get through. I wanted to play an audio for the first film. Oh, oh. go for it. Okay, hold on. So. so, I'm sorry. Okay, so there was this whole thing with the theatrical release of Blade Runner. Uh, because there, there was like 20 different versions released, right? Oh. And uh, I guess, like, the screenwriters or whatever, or, you know, not Ridley Scott, was, like, uh, they were, like, watching the film, and they felt like something was missing because there's just a lot of silence and a lot of nothing, kind of, you know? So so they thought of the grand idea of having the, the classic detective... Um, inner monologue narration. Uh, like the film noir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, like they're walking down the street and it's raining and it's like... It's a it dark world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a dark <laughs> world in Cyberpunk City. So, These streets are cold, but I'm colder. So they actually brought in Harrison Ford. He brought him back after filming the entire thing and really was like, all right, let's just half-ass this stuff because that's what they want. It's not good, but let's just do it. So, and here, here's, like, some of the lines. I'm starting at zero zero. Is that yeah, that's fine. That's fine. There's the blimp. There's, yep. Go work off world. For killers in a newspaper. That was my profession. Ex-cop. Ex-blade runner. Ex-killer. <laughs> wow. This is. Oh, so it's different, like, moments in the movie? In the entire film. I would hate this. Yeah. Just give it a sec. Brian, huh? (laughs) Oh. 
Very pretty. The score in this movie is very nice. Yeah. It's 10 out of 10. The charmer's name was Gaff. I'd seen him around. Brian must have upped him to the Blade Runner unit. That gibberish he talked was city speak, gutter talk, a mishmash of Japanese, Spanish, German, what have you. I didn't really need a translator. I knew the lingo every good cop did. But I wasn't going to make it easier for him. I hate this. Yeah, yeah this I is terrible. Yeah, let's get <laughs> this is terrible. I'm so the, glad they didn't go the through people with that. Were like, well, they did. This released in theaters. Oh, no. That released in theaters. That's, so that's some people cut. look at Blade Runner and think this. Yes, sadly. <sighs> yeah, but that's like throughout the whole film because the people were like, or the producers or, or whatever were like, we don't want the audience to feel confused or, or whatever, so let's explain things because they need exposition Exposition because our audience is dumb. They turned Blade Runner into an anime. <laughs> there's, there's actually an anime. Oh, really? Yeah, I oh. just learned that 20 minutes ago that there's an anime that, that released uh, this past year. Oh, or, shoot. Yeah, at the end of 2021 to 2022 on Crunchyroll. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So let's let's uh, continue. Film yeah. So in the first movie, <laughs> um, the test that they do to uh, find bla- uh, replicants is the Voight comp test yeah. for the first uh, movie. So um, right here, I have some questions for the Voight comp test. If one of you would like to uh, go ahead and see if you're a replicant. Okay. Okay. I want to know if I'm. We a know. Replicant. We all know Joe is a is a robot. That's been an ongoing bit. Not for th- uh, so the soundtrack I have is not for this one. <laughs> okay. We <laughs> will have the baseline test later on. Oh, okay. For the second movie. Okay, Joe. I need to know. Uh, someone gives you a calfskin wallet for your birthday. How do you react? Calfskin? Yeah. I I imagine that would feel like baby cow, and I'd be like, thanks, but no thanks, and yeet it away. Interesting. Don't forget, you gotta answer simply. Yeah, oh, answer I simply. would throw it away. <laughs> Your little boy shows you his butterfly collection. Kick him. Plus the killing jar. <laughs> plus the killing jar. What do you say? I say, drop the killing jar, you sick fuck. Okay. okay. <laughs> You're watching television. Suddenly you spot a wasp crawling up your arm. How do you react? I don't because that is my tattoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're reading a magazine. You come across a full-page nude photo of a girl or guy. You show it to cool. your husband wife, who likes it so much, he, she hangs it on your bedroom wall. The girl guy is lying on a bearskin rug. Rachel says, I don't like that. No, she says, are you testing if I'm a replicant or a, a lesbian? lesbian. Which is very funny. It's a really good line. Um, what I would do is I'd burn it. You'd burn it? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. What I'd do is I'd like take a photo of me, cut my head out of it, and just <laughs> put it on the person's head instead. Okay, okay. While walking along in, a d- in desert sand, you suddenly look down and see a tortoise crawling toward you. You reach down and flip it over onto its back. The tortoise lies there, its belly baking in the hot sun, beating its legs, trying to turn itself over. But you can't do so without. But it cannot do so without your help. You are not helping. Why? Well, I like helping tortoises. There was tortoises around where I lived in high school, so I okay, saw a lot of tortoises. Okay, st- stick stick to the questions. Uh, <laughs> Stop wandering, man! Answer the question. Uh, <laughs> Why are you not helping? Because I am handcuffed. Because turtle <laughs> tortoise abuse is different is different and illegal. Okay, okay, we'll take it. Uh, describe in single words only the good things that come to mind about your mother. Pass. Okay. All right. React yeah. to this. You become pregnant by a man who runs off with your best friend. You decide to get an abortion. Cool. 
first a of, shrug and cool. I mean, well, <laughs> well first of all, I, yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. React to this. Cool. You're watching a stage play. A banquet's in progress. The guests are enjoying an appetizer of raw oysters. The, the entree consists of boiled dog stuffed with rice. The mm. raw oysters are less acceptable mm. to you than a dish of boiled dog. Well, dog is delicious. So let's 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 have some dog. Okay. <laughs> Very human answers, I would say. <laughs> also, That's what I want you to. But think. at the same time, a lot of reactivity in the eyes. Not gonna lie. Oh yeah. A, a little bit of pupil dilation. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit replicant. I'm not an expert, mm. but you are leaning a little towards replicant. Not gonna mm. lie. Okay. <laughs> so how are we gonna solve this, huh? Uh, I'll probably just shoot you. Oh. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> anyway, let's finish the episode. First. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then in the second movie, uh, let's just dive into the yeah, next one. Yeah, let's do it. We're uh, already on it. The second <clears throat> movie uh, is the baseline test, or mm. the uh, replicant uh, says a baseline uh, to sort of uh, start the test, and then they have to reply with uh, the cued word. For example, if syst- the word is system, then system, whatever. So I have a copy-paste. Who would like to take the baseline test? I'll do it, since Joe just did the other one. Okay. Yeah. I'm <clears> texting <throat> you uh, the thing oh. that you say at the beginning, and then you're just kind of repeating Phew, that was kind of stressful, not going to lie. It, that's what it's meant to be. First of all, when you make robots, how come they're weak to human bullets? <laughs> and why are they so, why they got blood? I wouldn't make robots, like, just, like, us sacks of meat. You well, gotta make robots tough, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think they they probably already had robots. If they have the tech to make people, they have the tech to make robots. I think they wanted people, because then they can tell them what to do. Well, people suck. <clears throat> people are very weak. You can make people... "Quote unquote," people, but make them stronger. That's what they did. That's exactly the point. (laughs) Not well, not stronger. I should say tougher. Because you shoot a replicant once and it's dead. Well, I would I would chalk it up to like some exposition stuff. That's like, Deckard has a special gun. Well, they also are tougher. Like, uh, like uh, in the second movie, uh, K and the the big bald dude go like yeah, blow for blow they get slammed through walls yeah. get slammed into the floor multiple times and yet they still keep fighting with a lot of blows that'd be like you're done I liked, I liked how they did that in the second movie they did that like one of the first scenes and they you would know from the start oh Kay's in replicant mm. there's no way a person that was can Dave take Bautista. that it was yeah, yeah. alright uh, could you go ahead and recite your baseline Jared sure a blood black nothingness began to spin Began to spin. Let's move on to system. System. Feel that in your body? System. What does it feel like to be part of a system? System. Is there anything in your body that wants to resist the system? System. Do you get pleasure out of being part of the system? System. Have they created you to be a part of the system? System. Is there security in being part of the system? System. Is there a sound that comes with the system? System. Okay, we're going on to cells. Cells. They are put together all the time. Cells. Millions and billions of them. Cells. Were you ever arrested? Cells. Did you ever spend much time in a cell? Cell. Have you ever been in an institution? Cells. Do they keep you in a cell? Cells. When you're not performing your duties, do they keep you in a little box? Cells. Interlinked. Interlinked. What do you like? What is it like to hold the hand of someone you love? Interlinked. Interlinked. Do they teach you how to feel finger to finger? Interlinked. Interlinked. Do you long for having a heart? Interlinked. Interlinked. <laughs> Interlinked. Uh, do you dream about being interlinked? Interlinked. 
Have they left a place for you where you can dream? Interlinked. Interlinked. What's it like to hold your child in your arms? Interlinked. Interlinked. What's it like to play with your dog? Interlinked. Interlinked. Do you feel like there's a part of you that's missing? Interlinked. Interlinked. Do you connect to things? Interlinked. Interlinked. What happens when that linkage is broken? Interlinked. Interlinked. Do you ha- have you ever felt heartbreak? Interlinked. Interlinked. Did you buy a present for the person you love with incels interlinked? Cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. I'm sorry. Why don't you just say that three times? Within cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Where do you go when with? Uh, where do you <laughs> go when you go within? Within. Have has anyone ever locked you out of a room? Within. 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 Where do you go when you go within? Within. Where is the safest place in the world you feel the safest? Within. Do you have a heart within? Within. Stem. Stem. Did you pa- pick asparagus stems? Stem. Uh, what comes from something else? Stem. Stem. Have you ever seen the source of a river? Stem. Stem. When's the first time you gave a flower to a girl? Stem. Stem. What did she look like? Stem. Stem. Is there a slang word for people's legs? Stem. Have you ever planted things around the ground? Stem. Stem. Have you ever been in a legal battle? Stem. Stem. Within one stem? Stem. Dreadfully. Dreadfully. Is that an old-fashioned word? Dreadfully. Dreadfully. Did you ever want to live in 19th century? Dreadfully. Dreadfully. What's it like to be filled with dread? Dreadfully. Do you think you could find out all the answers to all the questions? Dreadfully. Distinct. Distinct. How good are your eyes? Distinct. How do you have a particular personality? Distinct. What separates someone from being someone else? Distinct. Distinct. Who do you admire most in the world? Distinct. Distinct. What was your most shameful moment? Distinct. Distinct. Dreadfully distinct. Distinct. Dreadfully distinct. All right, there's tons more. (laughs) (laughs) It it goes on for a while. Wow, Uh, that was scary. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I try to do it towards the middle there, the the like intensity and the emotions yeah, no, from I got my it. end. Um, so that so normally instead of staring at that, I would be staring at the script. I'd be staring at your eyes. Right. I don't know if you were looking into his eyes. Did he seem very? Were there emotions <laughs> showing in his Not face? Not really. Not really. No, because <laughs> he just re- he read the thing, so he knows what it's what to say. Ah, uh, well, he had the he had that the baseline part. part. Yeah. After yeah. that, it's just him mm-hmm. responding. Well, it wasn't that close. I mean, we're like five feet apart. <laughs> so I didn't see his pupils dilate or anything. You know, that's awesome. I, I'd say I he, I'd that. say he's he's ba- he's you're within baseline. Cool. You're based. You're cool. based. Okay. <laughs> Bro, that the, that base those baseline tents were the most intense parts of the movie. You think so? Like, those were awesome. I literally, like just just uh, I was I, just confused. I'd imagine like me being there in that spot. I don't know if I'd be able to keep chill. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it's essentially like it's meant to like ar- arise emotions out of an emotionless thing. The questions being like, like uh, d- the examples of like, uh, have you have you ever touched someone you love mm-hmm. or like things like that. It's very much like if you're a robot, your baseline. Then when you hear those, you're not thinking about the questions because you're you don't have answers you're to those about questions. Those answers. You're just ready for the answers. Yeah. Whereas if you've experienced those things. You, you stop your brain's like your brain will bring it up if you're like have you had a memory with a loved one your brain will go boom memory with a yeah. loved one <laughs> and so it disturbs the flow the, normally faster than me because I, I haven't practiced the, the baseline test but if it, it just keep going and that thought would stay compile with other thoughts and then you'd start building those emotions you know what we should do what for the future uh, whenever we want to bring in a new person for a razzle dazzle, we should do <laughs> give him a baseline test. Yeah, we should do one <laughs> of the two. Yeah. Hey, just before we start this episode, <laughs> just to make sure you're like all the, everything's on the up and up, you're a human being. Or he's got a quick test around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like during the interview process. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, those those moments that was my favorite part of the movie were mm. the baseline test. Honestly, I just like that idea of like 
throwing emotions at an emotionless thing to try to get it to react. Right. And then if it does, you kill it. Like, that's terrifying. But cyberpunk... Because they're not supposed to have emotions. Yeah, They're robots. But in a cyberpunk setting, it's something so terrifying. Right. It's something that's so, like, normal. Right, yeah. And that's what I love about cyberpunk so much. Blade Runner 24-9, take that, like, idea and then just put it into the setting, and that's that's essentially how people feel. Right. Uh, My deal with 2049 is it doesn't necessarily feel like Blade Runner. You know, there you can like the first movie. Yeah, because there's only two movies. Uh, The first movie has a specific vibe to it, and I don't think um, the second one matches that vibe. There's, of course, the plot is different. That's fine. Um, It's still a detective movie, cyberpunk noir detective movie, but there's just something off. I think part of that comes down to time and the way movies are made now versus then. That's um, fair. Very much in the... And also I, different directors. Yeah, different directors too. But um, I don't know very much the specifics, but there's a very much... Like when you watch a 70s, 80s, 90s movie, there's a style there, a recognizable style. Right. Um, and then we still have the same thing in modern movies now. Blade Runner 2049, I think, really follows its own modern style. Um, whereas uh, the original Blade Runners fit the t- style of their time period mm-hmm. for sci-fi works. Right. Right. Like, I mean, honestly, l- watch Blade Runner and then watch Judge Dredd. A lot of the establishing shots, the like going around the city, the way the city looks, they're going to be very similar in both movies, uh, both cyberpunk settings. But uh, ver- take like Blade Runner 2049 and then do we have any modern uh, cyberpunk settings? I don't um, Not mean, that I know of. Uh, the the closest thing I can think of is uh, either Night City cy- Cyberpunk, right? Uh, yeah, the, the actual the game, game Cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't really have a film style to it. And um, then what about Deus Ex is the other thing, but that's oh, a game again. What about a Katana? Katana Zero. I haven't watched it. It's a game. I haven't played it. It's an indie <laughs> game, yeah. I, I would feel that's kind of cyberpunky. Yeah, but so we don't have a lot of like modern works to compare like the cyberpunk style to. Maybe right. sci-fi. If you look at modern sci-fi compared to uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, mm-hmm. pretty similar. The way. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think it's more the time that that you're seeing that like difference in. Because Blade Runner threw in a lot of aspects of movies. It was a film noir. It was also science fiction. Yeah. But at the heart of it, it was a romance. And I think that Blade Runner 2049 tried to do all those things again in this newer sort of modern uh, filmmaking. But it just came off as slightly worse. Interesting. I, yeah. I prefer 2049. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't either. Well, you, but you watched that one first. Yeah. I watched the original first. I like, see. Likewise. And I think I think 2049 is better knowing the first film, but Absolutely. Um I don't think it's just there's just a f- different vibe. I don't know how else to explain. It. It's like, okay, Richard used this um this analogy, not analogy, but this example of like 2049 is a movie that people in the original Blade Runner film would watch. That makes sense. Right? And I can see where what, what he means by that. Like, yeah, in, in this universe, the film directors in that universe will make the movie Blade Runner 2049. Makes they sense. Were, a were, replicant <laughs> killing replicant yeah, seems right? like something that people of a original Blade Runner setting would yeah. like. 
Um, <laughs> there was a scene in 2049 that made me laugh out loud, and it was a scene that shouldn't have. <laughs> so I measure films based off of scenes like that. It's towards the end of the movie, so spoilers. Uh, Jared Leto had just kidnapped uh, Harrison Ford. Right. And they're trying to tell him, hey, where's the kid? We're trying to make uh, replicants making replicants. So what he uses is a, f- a new model oh, of right. Rachel. Yeah, yeah. And she has he has new Rachel walk up and go, hey, how you doing? And try I to recreate you. the I love you thing. Uh, Harrison Ford looks into, his, into her eyes. He turns away. She He goes, that's not going to work. She has green eyes. Yeah. And then love. Jared Leto's assistants in that movie just shot the android <laughs> in the head for no reason other mean? than her eyes were a different color. That yeah, just seems because like, has, it's useless to yeah, them Yeah, she now. no longer has any use. But... <laughs> Bro, I, I was... I, oh, you want to... I was shattered for uh, Deckard in that moment. Like, mm-hmm. if, like imagine, right? You've gotten, like to the best you can, mm-hmm. gotten over the grief of losing the one you love, purposefully having yeah. to leave them, going years without seeing them. It's like, oh, she's right here. It's not actually her. But then that getting shot, the closest thing you have to your wife, uh, wife. significant other, and they just get shot. Yeah. yeah, but Jared Leto is trying to get him on his side. How do you if you want to get someone on your side, you don't kill the oh, wife. I think, in front I think of he them. gave up at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it was it was very clear that like he was like uh, I'll find another way. It was just so abrupt and funny to see watch yeah, uh, no, love it. watch yeah. up with the gun and go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blew her brains out. Jer- also Jer- the out um, of nowhere. Jared Leto's character was gonna send him off world where legally yeah. he could torture Deckard to get mm. the information. Yeah. So it's not that he given up; he's just given up on being nice about it. Um, the, also the stakes between the two movies like the first movie it's like oh we don't want these replicants to live longer because that's not going to do anybody any good you know it's like okay they're not supposed to that's not going to do any good That's it's not world ending but in 2049 it is like it replicants is? can make babies if they make babies of each other they will multiply they multiply they will overthrow everything and the whole world ends whoosh you know, like, Blade yeah. Runner's here, and then 2049 is here, you know? Yeah, but, like, I do agree, but also disagree. Because while it is, like, the stakes are that big, th- when we're focusing on K, mm. it's also not that big. Mm. Because 2049 isn't about a uh, replicant making replicants that can change the world. It's about K. Right. And K is, uh, he's investigating. He comes to believe that, oh, I could be something amazing in this world. I I could be the difference maker. But he's putting it off. He's like, no, no, no. I could be the miracle. That would be terrible for me. Um, so he pushes off, pushes away, but Joy is always there pushing him. Like, I, I like always Joy. knew you were special. She's amazing. And I will get it to her in a sec. But focusing on Kay, so this entire time he's like, like, I'm nothing, but he has Joy telling him that he's something, and he has the facts telling him that he could be something big. Yeah. Um, he goes more and more, and then until finally he's like, it becomes clear to him. I am this child. Like, there's no other way. And then Joy's agreeing with him. He's like, I always knew you were special. Um, It's very much like he feels so empowered. Like, I am the person who's going to change the world. And then all the catastrophe happens with Deckard. Uh, He loses Joy. And then he gets told, yeah, you're wrong. You're (laughs) It's a complete opposite gender. It's a complete (laughs) opposite gender. You are nothing. Yeah. You, th- this entire time, Deckard's growing as a human being because he realizes he might have a purpose, 
and then that purpose just gets shot mm. down. And that's why I love Blade Runner so much. This human being that's got l- been led on so much, led on so much, and then just everything shatters for him. And there's this moment where he's like, what do I do? He doesn't do anything for quite a bit after that until f- what drives him to do something is ultimately the knowing that nothingness. When he goes to the, the when he's walking across the street, the, the big hologram joy comes right. down to him. It's like, you look so lonely. She calls him Joe, which is which shows that Joe, the name that joy gives, is just a name that she gives everybody. Not even the name, which he thought was special because it's a name Joy gave him, is anything special. Right. Even So he, at that point, he goes with the advice of uh, the old lady who's, who's basically like, what is more human than to die for a cause? The right cause. The right cause. And he's like, and what could that right cause be for him? The story sets up that it's going to be uh, save Deckard. Or, uh, I think it's like him... It's, it's not the route that he goes down. Mm-hmm. The route that he goes down isn't what the old lady sets him up for. Or it's like, here's how you can change the world. Instead, no, it's find the child, bring it to the resistance. No, he, what he does, find the child and bring it to its father, being Deckard. Um, Which also, I'm sorry, just going straight to the end. How did they put together that that was her? Um, I think uh, it's, it's based off of like fragmented memories for him. Um, but I think uh, part of it was uh, her being a miracle child uh, and her not really knowing. She, I think there's something with her not really knowing her full background. But also the immunocompromised thing, she can't be seen by the outside world. That's just so that she isn't seen by the outside world. She, she, she doesn't actually have that, or at least I don't think so. Um, maybe she does. But it's more meant to keep her hidden from the world so that they don't find her. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's also um, something to do with the fact that she builds memories, and then there's also something from what the old lady said that cues him. I don't remember the specifics. I like it, the subtle hint that when she views Kay's Kay's quote unquote memory, she starts crying herself. Yeah, that's it. Which is like it was weird for that moment. Why? It was weird in the moment because she's she's a memory expert. She well, should just be looking. If it is or it isn't, move on. But she's looking at her own memory. Mm. And yes, that's, that's, that's why she starts messing crying. with her. So I, I remember. I remember now. Let me get into that because yeah. it's when he's there. Um, it gets revealed that that memory is like uh, it's it's a planted memory. She we find out because she sees the memory. She cries and goes, "That's not like that's a p- fake memory." That causes him to be like, "I knew it." He gets angry. He leaves because to him. That proves that he is this child, um, but that's actually because she's the child. Because what she doesn't tell him in that moment is that that memory is hers. Okay, that makes sense. I can still see, I can still see like her crying because it's a sad memory. Yeah, that's that's what I think the movie tries to set up, so yes. you don't think it at first. <laughs> that's exactly what happened for uh, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the movie is like so the movie is like you, you watch that happen, you go, "Oh, she's sad for him. He's in such a rough yeah. spot." And you forget about her character until you finally like until Ryan has start, or Kay starts having those flashbacks and then you, you go like, "Oh, oh." And then Kay's like, "Oh." And then uh, he goes in and saves Deckard. I could I'm kind of glad that it didn't actually end up him being this child 
Because you could have seen that from a mile away. Yeah, but I think that's what makes <laughs> the movie so amazing. Okay, is, this, this is the that twist he, of the twist. The twist that he isn't the child, because the whole thing is like the movie setting up like he's the child, and you, yeah. it makes you feel like, yeah, it's, he's the child, obviously. He's doubting it, but it's clear he's the child. It goes, it goes, it goes, and then it's just the whole movie shatters. That It shatters you. I When I ha- when I saw that twist, I was like, then, then what now? What about Kay? What? <laughs> they don't do the twist until he believes he is. Yeah, which is insane. He, <laughs> the entire time, they he wait. is the only, when it's just him and Joy, he is the only one pushing that it is not him. Yeah. But it's not because he doesn't believe it. It's because of how awful things will be if it's true. Yeah. And then he finds out it's true and things are awful, but he's willing to accept it because he's part of something bigger. <laughs> and then that doesn't even matter because that was just awful all around. He's wanted and he's not the big world-changing guy. It's. I think it's. I love twenty forty nine because of his arc, mm-hmm. his story. Um, that alongside beautiful cinematography. Like say what you will about the cinematography of both movies. I think twenty forty nine cinematography is just more beautiful. Like okay, more beautiful. I don't know. Beautiful, yes, but more beautiful than the original. I don't know about that. It's there's so. Because they're doing different things. Yeah, but it's it's very much why I like it so much. I keep saying my thing very much. <laughs> uh, it's uh, why I like uh, the cinematography, why I think it's more beautiful personally. Um, it's just you get t- a lot more different settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's settings that we can't see normally ourselves. Blade Runner, as as much as it is a cyberpunk sci-fi setting, a lot of it's taking place in apartments and uh, places that would make sense in our world. Okay. Um, we go it's, uh, not just the cinematography for twenty forty nine, but the set design as well lends to this. When we go into twenty forty nine, this feels like every place feels like the future so much. Mm-hmm. From uh, from Wallace Wallace Corp's little headquarters for the CEO, or it's this like water suspended room with the yellow lights, and it's dark but it's bright, and it's just really surreal looking. Um, to literally them going through the archives of Wallace Corp, and there's like like ominous yellow lighting. Right. Um, the the red area outside of the casino where Deca- Deckard is is or not casino bar I guess is literally like it's this dusty. Uh, apocalypse, uh, like a uh, almost as if like red clay sand yeah. rose up into the air, kind of thing. Um, and it, it's like you wouldn't be able to see this any of these things normally. It's it's very, uh, it's a lot of shots that are innovative because like there's no basis in reality. Mm-hmm. That's why I love the cinematography more. Okay. It takes sets that are unreal. And then adds uh, color and light to make it even more of just the surreal, like, wow, the future looks beautiful, mm-hmm. looks visually. <laughs> but it's not. It, um, but, yeah, I, I really like just the way it looks. Mm. And then uh, supporting character, Joy. I love Joy. Joy is great. She's great. Uh, brings up a lot of the conversation about, because uh, this is going to happen eventually, digital yeah. companionship. Um, not even just AI. The AI everybody has a conversation with. I feel like nobody's talking enough about digital companionship because that's going to happen. Mm. It's going to happen. And when it happens, there will be a conversation where it's essentially like people will get smart enough to make fake human beings for you to interact with. Mm. Um, when that happens, what are these situations going to be like? Are we going to treat people normally when they like their digital girlfriend? Um, are we going to be. That's already a thing. 
That is already a thing. <laughs> you ever watched the movie Her with oh, Joaquin? Too. Yeah, yeah, we, we mentioned it on the, on the, I mentioned it at the end card for the. Delta. Delta. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very, uh, I like the conversation because do like, pe- people are going to get ostracized for mm. it rega- when it happens, <laughs> whether that's a reasonable ostracization or not is for each individual person mm. to decide. I personally think why 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 robot no robot because the robots will just accept you as who you are whenever yeah and just make corporations money and then we'll corporations are gonna profit <laughs> off of people's loneliness which I mean they already do yep um, but at the same time you're gonna have tons of people who like it see nothing wrong with it because frankly there's nothing wrong with it it's just different it's just different it's different from the norm um, and then so nothing wrong with different and so this story presents a take of that where it's like this digital companion not only is just a digital companion who's going to do whatever can make you happy, but also is like its own person, acts like its own person at least. Like it, it, she, she has, Joy has wants and desires. Joy wants to explore the world. Yep. Joy w- wants to uh, I keep Deckard safe. Joy wants to have sex with Deckard. Uh, all of these Kay. things. Uh, sorry, Kay. <laughs> um, Joy has these goals and wants that aren't that like show that she is her own entity with her own passions, desires, and then she works so hard to make sure it can all happen. Um, yeah. When Deckard gets her the gift of the, uh, sorry, oh my gosh, <laughs> when Kay gets <laughs> when Kay gets her the gift of the like portable hologram yeah. thing. Um, she gets a sense of like I need to pay him back. She, but the thing they can't do, the thing that happens when they go to the roof and they try to kiss, is there's no contact. There's no way to really make that relationship intimate. So she goes out of her way to hire a prostitute she knows he likes, of uh, <laughs> to have this like surreal robot sex scene. It's cheating to me. It's it's, it's cheating, cheating to, to me. You? I thought that scene was very pretty, like the way that she phases in and out with yeah. uh, Mariette. Mm. That's a character. And the way, like, all three characters are interacting in a way. Like, you see Joy and uh, the prostitute, I forget her name, having, Mariette. having interactions in that. Mariette will, like, sometimes open her eyes to see what the what Joy is doing so she can copy. Um, and there will be moments where, like, Joy will want to do her own thing and the hand will leave uh, Mariette's to go do her own thing. And it's all these things where it's like even the scene itself, it's, it's minor complexities. This is beautiful, weird situation. Uh, I wrote, uh, so the I watched this movie for my class. I wrote my whole or most of my paper on this lo- this scene. Really? Because to me it's surreal. Like it's like how do you approach a situation like that? It's a, we're talking in our class about monsters. This In this case it's the genoid. The idea of a human robot uh part human part robot however many parts human however many parts robot mm. is uh doesn't matter it's the genoid concept um how does that how does that interact with people is it a person can it be a person or is it always going to be a monster that so that's what i wrote my thing on and i think i really like looking at that scene because it's this idea of like it is accepted but it's also not mariette's not into this thing mariette before it after it during it is not into what is happening. She 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 thinks uh, Kay is better off with anything else. Mm-hmm. She says the first time they meet, oh, so you're not into real girls, and then walks away. Yeah, uh, it's it's so there's this ostracization of Joy, but Joy's done nothing wrong. 
And so I love Joy as a character. She's done nothing wrong. She's the most hated character in the story. What? To other characters. Oh. Um. Okay. I like Joy. Uh, oh, also, I, also, I love Joy. But, like, also Joy is, you know, an AI, but and in, in, in Kay is a robot, so, like... In in a way, yeah, that also, that also makes it really it makes weird. Sense. I think it makes sense. They're both machines into each other. That's fine. Yeah, but and then it gets to the point where is he a machine? Because now it gets to the point where like, oh, maybe replicants can make life. Right. So is he really a machine anymore? Right. And then so is this interaction the normal? Line? Where it, Blade Runner takes the line and gets rid of it. Yeah. There's no line. <laughs> You're here. They're there. There's no yeah. relatively to it. And I love it. It just, it doesn't doesn't follow it, it any rules or like a this is this is a robot this is a human this is a, it just is this very big identity crisis going yeah. on in the midst of an amazing story it's detroit become human before detroit become human but cranked up to 11 yeah so <laughs> uh, i think everybody should watch these films period yeah. Blade Runner 2049 is a long movie. It is. I did not know it was going to be three hours. I was like, oh, my gosh. The short ones, the first one's really short. The second one's really long. Uh, yeah. Which is strange. But, but 2049 also, uh, score-wise, because it's three hours long, but it is, I think, you not uniquely, I don't know what it's what the word is, but, like, a lot of the track, the, the composition of it, the music, mm. is uh, unique to the places, scenarios, as it happens. Mm. It's this very, like, synthy, yeah, orchestraic, but also synthy music. Right. And, uh, I love it. I've, I wish I pulled up some of the score. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I love tw- to get to twenty. Finish up twenty forty nine. The reason why I love it, I understand y'all's critiques of it, mm-hmm. but I think Kay's story to me was such like a story that I, like I don't know. I love seeing the story of like being brought up to so much, getting torn down, and then just doing something right before you go out. Right. Um, because, I don't know, maybe a little relatable. Um, okay. It, it can be relatable is why, I, I guess. Because it's the, like, I'm striving for a lot. I'm working hard to reach my goals, and it's a very big upward climb. Imagine if I get there, it's nothing that I thought it to be, and then I'm nowhere again. Right. Um, I see. A- anybody with any sort of climb or uh, desire to be something or anything, there's a chance that when you get to that peak, nothing. It's right. or a lot of times it is nothing, even when you do get to that peak. So uh, I don't know. I, I like stories like that where it's like, you. This is the goal. This is the goal. This is the goal. You got to the goal. Well, f- it. The goal's not what you <laughs> wanted the whole time. What do you do now? Uh, <laughs> that's why this, this is one thing that I love about our show is uh, it forces us to indulge in other media's. And I've been wanting to watch Blade Runner for like the longest time. Couldn't, like, find an excuse to do it until you brought it up as a suggestion to do an episode on it. And, uh, and I'm glad. I'm really glad. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I like this movie. I like both movies. I like the first one a lot better. Yeah. Because not only is it very pretty, it's extremely pretty in the <clears throat> context of 1982. <laughs> so. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> so that, they're just really good movies. Although the second one has some weaker points, in my opinion. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. All right. That's all the time we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Razzle Dazzle. Make sure to let us know what you think of this episode somewhere on the internet. 
Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Razzle Dazzle Show and on Twitter at Razzle Dazzle Show. And also, don't forget to follow us on TikTok at Razzle underscore Dazzle underscore Show. Don't forget to tune in on Eagle Radio Live, the Live 365 app, every Thursday from 12 to 1, where we are live. Catch you on the next one. Trying to replicate it. Rep, rep, replicate, replicate, replicate. Dude, did you just break your chair? (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) What happened? I barely leaned back. Was that the chair or the wall? That was the chair. What the f? Something break. So what you gotta do is you gotta move that chair over to the oh, TV yeah, station. Broke. It broke. Wow! How? <laughs> there's, there's a piece right Dude, over there to your left. I know. Look by at the this. wall. On the on the <laughs> yeah, list. That's, that's broken. Of people what? who I thought would break a chair first, you were the last. <laughs> I'm light as. F- <laughs> Ow! <laughs> oh no! God. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to fix it when we're done. I'm a handyman. That's a broken screw. Oh, the screw broke? Yeah. How did you do that? I don't know! It'll hold. Oh, gosh. And that, kids, is why you don't lean back in chairs. You ever hear that from your teachers? (laughs) They were right. Listen to your teachers, folks. Uh, teachers were wrong. What?